I am Barrington Brennan, counseling psychologist and marriage and family therapist with your daily relationship nugget. I want to remind you that you can contact me by visiting my website at www.soencouragement.org or send in an email to info at soencouragement.org or by calling 242-477-4002. Here is the question I will respond to today. Dear sir, my husband often comes home very late at nights or during the early morning hours and refuses to say where he has been. He feels I am insulting him when I ask him where has he been. Is that right? Should I know where he was? When I ask him why he's coming home so late, he yells at me. I'm the man around here. Who pays the bills in the house? This is my house. Who is taking care of you? Should I put up with this kind of behavior? Should he come home those hours of the morning? Should I make love with him if he refused to let me know where he was? That's the end of the question. Let's listen to my response. Dear frustrated wife, do you, you do have a right to know where your husband goes and why he comes home at such odd hours. It sounds as though you do not have a marriage. You and your husband are just cohabiting mates. You are the maid and he is the master. You do have a right to know where he is all the time. In reality, if he respects and loves you, he will not go out to places without your knowledge and come home long after you have fallen asleep. He will voluntarily inform you where he was. He would not choose to go places that he knows would devalue you as his wife. Any husband who feels he can do whatever he wants in marriage and does not feel accountable to his wife is acting foolishly. Any wife who does the same is acting foolishly also. This kind of behavior usually comes from male chauvinists who have many false concepts about marriage. Here are a few of them. 1. The wife belongs to the husband and not the husband to the wife. 2. God gave the husband power over the wife. 3. The husband has veto power over any decision his wife makes. 4. Men are more intelligent than women. 5. Husbands should make more money than their wives. 6. Wives should obey their husband. 7. A woman's place is in the home. She must never leave it unless the husband allows her to do so. Yes, some men still have that today. 8. A wife must please her husband sexually at all times, even when she is not in the mood. 9. God created wives to be their husband's helper and not the other way around. These false and erroneous beliefs about marriage and the role of husband and wives have and are still destroying relationships today. Hundreds of years ago, women in most countries had virtually no social or family status. They had to rely on their husband to raise money for the family. They had less ability, education, rights, freedom and respect from their husbands and society. 
Too many men in our society have been taught very well by their forefathers and their foremothers that women are nothing more than sexual property, maids and child-bearers and rearers. This belief goes back to the early centuries. Dr. John Bristow, in his book, What the Bible Says About Love, Marriage and Family, states that in the Hebrew society and other neighboring cultures, girls are regarded as the property of their fathers and wives as property as their husbands. This is reflected in the law found in Numbers 30, verse 3 to 5. Let me read it. When a young woman still living in her father's house makes a vow to the Lord or obligates herself by a pledge and her father hears about her vow or pledge but says nothing to her, then all her vows and her pledge and every pledge by which she obligated herself will stand. But if her father forbids her when he hears it, none of her vows or her pledges by which she obligated herself will stand. The Lord will release her because her father has forbidden her. End of the text. So, Dr. Briscoe points out that the law that states that a woman's husband shall have the same right of veto for any vow his wife might make. In the ancient Hebrew world, Briscoe expounds He expounds that the Mosaic laws regarding both seduction and rape bring the concept of women as sexual property into especially clear focus. According to Exodus 22, 16-17, a man who reduces or seduces or rapes a maiden, the law states, must pay the father of the victim the amount normally given as a bride price for a virgin and marrying her or not depending entirely on the father's decision. In Deuteronomy 22, 28-29, we have another shocking revelation of the value of women in those days. A man who rapes a maiden, however, but only if the commission of this crime is witnessed, will pay the victim's father fifty shekels or of silver or then marry her and then marry her and never be allowed to divorce her. The shock is that the woman herself is not given a choice over whether or not to marry her attacker, the rapist. It is the father's decision. Her emotional well-being is not taken into consideration. Why? Because she is only property, no more valuable than the goats, the slave living outside and the vegetable garden. Isn't that serious? Do you know that permeates many of the minds in our society today in this 21st century? Look at incest. In today's culture, incest is generally based on genetic proximity. In the Old Testament, however, Dr. Briscoe points out that the incest was defined according to the principle of sexual property. Thus, we have numerous marriages that in our own society would have been forbidden. Here are a few examples. Nahor married his niece Malka, Genesis 11, 29. Abraham married his sister Sarah, Genesis 20 and verse 12. Isaac married his cousin Rebekah, Genesis 24 and verse 15. Jacob married two of his cousins, Rachel and Leah, 
Genesis 29.12. Esau married his cousin, Malahalaleth. Genesis 28 verse 9. Amram, Moses' father, married his aunt. Numbers 26 and verse 59. Tamar was sexually accosted by her brother, Ammon. She tried to talk him into marrying her instead of raping her. Second Samuel 13 and verse 13. Eventually, Moses' laws forbid such behavior. Ex Leviticus 18.6-18 brings that out. You must never have sex in the cause with a close relative, for I am the Lord. Do not violate your father by having sex in the cause with your father. She is your mother. You must never have intercourse with her. Do not have sexual intercourse with any of your father's wives, for this would violate your father. Do not have sexual intercourse with your sister or half-sister, whether she is your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether she was brought up in the same family or somewhere else. Do not have sexual intercourse with your granddaughter, whether she is your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That should violate you or would violate you. Do not have sexual intercourse with the daughter of any of your father's wife. She is your half-sister. At the end of the text in Leviticus 18.6-18. Note very carefully that although these laws protect women, yet these laws were based on the concept of women as sexual property. To uncover woman's nakedness is regarded in the law as uncovering a husband's nakedness. In other words, a wife's own body belonged to a husband, so that to misuse it is to trespass against his property. No wonder we are having so many problems today. Learning from the ancient Hebrew, the ancient Greek philosophers laid the foundation for the modern devaluing of women. In the ancient world, women could not sue or be sued. They did not appear in public with their husbands. A man's list of assets included his wife. A Greek philosopher, Plato, taught, being born a woman is a divine punishment, since a woman is halfway between a man and an animal. End of quote. Aristotle taught, a female is a deformed male. These teachings and many more impacted the making of modern laws and practices around the world. The good news is the Apostle Paul made it his mission to nullify the teachings of the Greeks and the Greek philosophers, which was so prevalent in his day. He clearly states in Galatians 3 and verse 38 that male and female are one in Christ. He strengthened the concept of equality and that women are had equal voice, vote, and power when he said in 1 Corinthians 11.4, women as well as men are to lead in worship. He disqualified the idea that women do not have the intelligence and as equal as men when he stated in 1 Timothy 2.11 that women are to learn. Contrary to teachings in his day, Paul also taught in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 11 about the interdependent relationship of a husband and wife when he states, Nevertheless, in the Lord, women, a woman is not independent of a man, nor man independent of the woman. Now, we can clearly understand when the Apostle Paul emphasizes in Ephesians 5, 21-26, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He needed men to elevate women who were by law valueless to the priceless state in which God created. They were not to be influenced by the negative, degrading philosophies of the day.
we must do the same today. So yes, married men who feel that they can do whatever they want to do are making a big mistake. I encourage women not to tolerate such behavior. They should gently and firmly inform their power-hungry husbands that although they truly love them, they will no longer be disrespected and devalued. Do not scream and shout at your husbands. Do not threaten them or use demeaning words. You will be lowering yourself to their behavior. This has been your daily relationship nugget. I am Barrington Brennan, keeping a smile on your heart.